0: Today, we're continuing on in the story, the Gospel of Matthew, about renewing hope and purpose. And uh, these writings are to a group of people who have experienced extreme devastation and lost everything, purpose. And so we're going to the Gospel of Matthew today, Matthew 24, and it explains a lot of prophecy that Jesus said about things to come. So, would everybody stand for the reading of the word, Matthew chapter 24? verses 1 through 14. I know it's a lot, but stay in there and read it all with me. Would you do that? Would you do that? All right, here we go. Let's begin. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us as we learn from the word today. We know there's a factual side, there's an academic side to scripture so that we can understand the concepts and the basic uh, uh, constructs, but we pray for the values, the insights, that God, you have to say to each one of our hearts. And so, I do, Holy Spirit, would you speak to each heart today about what this word means to them in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Be seated. So as we're looking at this particular passage of the scripture, let me just say, Jesus uh, gave this discourse and it actually goes on for two chapters. And we're just talking about 14 verses. There's no way I could cover uh, two chapters in one, sir. I mean, I could cover two chapters in one, th- but it's the fact that you probably could not endure me covering two chapters, okay? So I cut it down to 14 verses, but so this is by no means the complete, you know, all in, here's the understanding. We're just addressing a, a portion of this. But what you find here is is Jesus is addressing about some things in the future. And what you find is this. As humans, we have always been fascinated about knowing the future. And and there's a lot of reasons for that. But I know one of the reasons that sometimes it appeals to our flesh. And and by that, I mean this. when, When we know something, sometimes you have to observe how we like to tell people we know something they don't know. You will say, hey, have you heard? And they'll go, no, I haven't heard. And inside, you know, you kind of go. It, it's, it's it, listen, it's empowering to know something that other people don't know and you get to tell. And so part of this is, is learning how to manage what you know that other people don't know. Now you know where integrity comes in. Because if you're not careful, that kind of, of basis of knowing something that somebody else doesn't know, it can puff you up, it can make you feel a certain way. And I'm just saying, character is the thing that ropes it back in and goes, you don't want to go there. It's fine to share information with other people that they don't know, but you better be careful about the story you're telling yourself about you. And so there's, there is a fascination with knowing, because we like to know, well, do I need to get prepared? Is there anything that I can you know, be doing in advance? Is there stuff that I need to know? And we love that. And so here's what we have. The disciples were no different when it came to a desire to know the future. That's what this whole text is about. That's what, that's what launched it. It says here that Jesus left the temple and was, waiting, uh, was walking away with his disciples when, and came to him and called his attention to its buildings. Now, the reason they were pointing to the building is this. My wife and I have had the opportunity to be in Israel a couple of times. And you can go to the temple now, and they've been able to excavate some of the lower portions of the original temple. You can see the walls. You can see some of the foundation. And most people can't appreciate that in a photo until you're standing there. And what you see is, you know, most of us think, you know, the temple got built with these blocks of stone about yay big, about this tall, about that thick, you know, and then people, and that's... The foundation and some of the lower parts of the wall of that temple were incredible. One stone would weigh 40 tons. It is literally from this end of the platform to that end of the platform. It is two feet deep, it is two feet high. And they have stacked these 40 ton things on top of one another to create this temple. And hear, hear this, we, we, know how, we, we know how to move 40 ton stones. We just don't know how they did it, okay? I mean it's just mind-boggling. And so the idea was to in in the Jewish mind was to build a temple that was literally indestructible. And so that's why they were pointing at this thing. There was literally nothing like it in the world, something so secure, so solid. And because they were aware of earthquakes in their world and so they were of the mindset, let's make this thing so cuz we don't ever want it to collapse. So that's why they use these massive stones. So this is what the disciples are pointing to, okay? Because it's just incredible. A work, a, work, a, a feat of, of historical proportion. And Jesus says this, do you see all these? He asked, truly, I tell you, not one here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Well, that was actually an incoherent statement to the disciples. Because the idea was, even if Jerusalem gets conquered, we want the temple to be of such a magnitude that any invading army who captured Jerusalem would say it is unwise use of our human capital to invest trying to knock this thing over we're just better off to leave it alone and reoccupy it so the the Jewish people were basically removing the temple as an object that could be destroyed even if Jerusalem got conquered, it would not make sense for the conquering army to devote such massive resources to destroy it. It would just be, and by the way, we, we see some of that by the excavations that when they got on down, they just went, yeah, let's just cover up the foundation. <laughs> okay, But they did knock, and it was, the, the, the amount of effort and, and time that that took must have been incredible. So when Jesus said that, you can understand the disciples went... There's no army in their right mind that would devote the resources to knocking this in. It would, why, why would they do that? Here's what they do is Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. So now they're across the valley. They've left the city and now they're on the Mount of Olives. Okay, The disciples come to him privately. So this is apart from the crowd because the disciples want to be empowered so that they can have information that the crowd does not have. They come to the pro- Tell us, they said, when will, will all this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. So they're aware that this is stuff that is preceding and they want to, they, you know, they want the inside track. And Jesus actually goes in a totally different direction on them. They don't see it coming. its They did not, and the next two chapters is the answer. How many have ever asked for a brief answer and gotten a chapter from somebody? <laughs> and as they're talking, you know, you're just kind of going, yeah, I was just supposed to be like maybe two sentences here and uh sounds like you're in a doctoral thesis going on right here you're going on and on please tell me this is not chapter one that you're giving to me right now yeah it, and and jesus just he saw an opportunity and this went really long a long discourse. so you have all of chapter 24 and all of chapter 25 i'm just knocking out the first 14 verses here today so please don't walk away and think this is the end all to this there's more i'm just not time doesn't allow me to cover everything so let's look at this so the reason jesus gives us response is this the purpose of his teaching here was to provide comfort hope and encouragement matthew records this to those who are the uh, the, lit, are the are receiving his gospel he's showing that this is not designed to scare you it's not designed to put you in a tailspin and oh my gosh we better go hurry up and purchase our bunker and get ready and have food and you know be ready that's that's not even where this is going what he's trying to show matthew to his readers is this they have just come through The the tragedies of 64 A.D. where the political capital was burned down to the ground, Rome, in 70 A.D., which is really close to the time that this gospel was finished, that Jerusalem has been leveled, the temple has been leveled, a million Jews have been killed, and the rest are scattered everywhere. And they don't know it, but there's another tragedy on the horizon, 70 A.D. Pompeii, the trading center of the Mediterranean, is going to be wiped out when the volcano erupts. So that is yet to happen, but they literally go from this can't get me worse, and then it actually does. So in a 15-year period, the trading capital, the religious capital, and the political capital of of that civilized world has been destroyed. And so Matthew writes this gospel to show them that Jesus told everybody this was going to happen, but nobody believed him. So he's building the credibility that Jesus is the Messiah in their eyes, and he's trying to let them see is if God, if Jesus knew this was happening, then you can trust him with your life. It's not designed to scare people into the kingdom of God, it's trying to show them comfort and hope that is available in Jesus Christ. This is, he's not something to fear, he is something to serve. And so that's how we're going to be looking at this text. But he does give six signs in the 14 verses we're looking at today. He does give six signs that he says would precede his coming. So usually I will take the text and say, here's how they saw it and how it applies to us. But this is a text that we can actually say, well, since Jesus said that this was going to precede his coming, where do these signs stand today? right? These are not signs, by the way, that you can't research. They're easy. You can find out what's going on. And so today, I'm not only going to give you the evidence, I'll, I'll provide the sourcing so that you know where I got these sources. Because, you know, when I don't provide sourcing, people who watch me online send me emails, and then I'm answering emails through the week about that. Because they say, where did you get that answer? Where was the sourcing? Where? And you know, I go, look, I'm not in college anymore. That's all right. I'm I'm glad to provide the sourcing of where I get stuff. I'm not going to say, I know that it's you know you can ab- sometimes parachute statistics in and. And then when you go research actually where it came from you find out it's been morphed over a period of time so i'm just telling you these are reputable institutes that do research and such and here are the numbers i'll let you decide on where things stand i'm not here to give a timeline on anything i'm just saying if jesus said this was going to be happening where do we stand today based on the evidence of what he said he said this now let's look at the evidence everybody good so it's a different message. So number one, you got to read it with me. you are going to like sign number one. I want you to read everything with me. So ever, come on, let's begin. Sign number one, there will be widespread deception due to an increase in false Christ. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Now, over the course of time, at least in our nation, we have watched people who have have purported that they were the messiah and we've read about these cults and things like that and people who are taking people and they go off into various places of the US and remote places or even sometimes outside of our country and at first they said you know they were a servant of God but somewhere in there they morphed and they started proclaiming themselves the messiah it's common knowledge that these groups have existed and let me just say that's easy you know when somebody says I am the Messiah. How many know it's real easy to throw a flag up and go, well, I better get away from there? But let me tell you the other way that people say they're Messiah. They don't say it, but they act the part. They'll say this. I know what this says, but God has revealed to me that there is a new way to read this i know what the bible teaches they say but i spent time with the lord and he has revealed new interpretations to me they call it woke theology i know what the bible says but god listen i know the reasoning i know how they say it i know that those were commandments that god gave to those people But you have to understand, that's because they were uneducated. But we are now the most educated populace that has ever been on planet Earth. Because we're educated and we know better, we don't have to have those absolutes anymore. Did you hear how I said it? And I'm saying just the opposite. Hey, I've been in the educational institutions Thursday, I taught at the seminary for much of the afternoon. And I'm here to tell you, based on what I've seen in education, we need more absolutes than ever before. (laughs) Don't tell me my education. Listen, you know, like I've said this last week, I'm not anti-educational, man. I've done the whole undergrad, master's, doctorate. I get it. But I'm telling you with what I know, I see all the more reasons we need the absolutes. Not because I'm so informed now, I don't need such definitive lines. Wrong. That, my friend, is called deception when you don't think the lines apply to you. So let me tell you, I I wrote this last night. Deception promises things denied to you that you feel you deserve. Sometimes people have lifestyles, they have urges, they have temptations, and they don't think it's right that they should have to fight those things in their life. So translated, I don't think I should have to be transformed, I think you sh- I should be accommodated. No, you need to be transformed. Transformed. See, just because, let's, I'll just, just, I, I may have an area of my life that is more of a struggle than what you have. That same issue may not be as much of a struggle for you, but it's more of a struggle for me. I don't get to go to the gospel and change it and go, because it's harder for me, I get to mess with God's boundaries. No. I just have to put more effort into it. I have to have more God's grace. I have to have more forgiveness and mercy. I don't get to use my uh, intellect to dismiss a difficult issue in my life just because it's hard. But this woke theology says "That's, that's shameful that you would have to work so hard. That's shameful that you have to have a fight that other people don't have to have let us accommodate you. Folks, that's not transformation. The gospel, listen to me, the gospel didn't come to accommodate us. The gospel came to change us. And even, I will say this, to transform us. That means make, that word transform is a Greek word called metamorphi. Metamorphosis, it means a total Transformation. Complete. It means being made into something that I was not before. Now, I may have more of a battle than other people, but that doesn't excuse me from having to go through the process. And everybody said amen. amen. Now, I got five more of these, so you got to stop interrupting me so much. <laughs> number two, read it. Sign number two, read it. There will be widespread wars and rumors of wars among nations and kingdoms. Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. I'm sorry, Jesus. War alarms me. <laughs> Such things must happen. Have you ever, want, God, I wish there were promises you didn't make. I would like for that to say there's a possibility. He is very definitive. Such things must Happen, but the end is still to come nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom well of course we know that human history has been full of conflicts every conflict has and even when it got resolved served as a basis for the next conflict the question is out of the 190 nations or so out there how many are in conflict today and if you would go to the geneva academy they tell you today Currently, there are 110 armed conflicts in the world. You say, I didn't know that. I know there's not enough news time to cover them all. And it's not necessarily always nation against nation. Sometimes it's tribe against tribe. So sometimes within a nation, while the nation may not be at war, because you understand not everybody is structured like the United States. Some nations are made up of tribes. So the nation may not be at war, but they might have two tribes in their nation going at it. And notice I said, it's not conflict, it's armed conflict. The conflict has reached a point, they are grabbing guns and weapons and they are going after one another. There are 110 conflicts as we speak today happening around the world. Armed conflict, people who have willingly said, I am picking up arms and I'm going after the other side. There's not enough news time. You can't, you can't cover 110 conflicts in a 24-hour news cycle. It's impossible. You can't get human capital on site to report on every story. You would just say, I'm t- I don't know, if they started reporting on 110 conflicts, I'd turn it off. I just would go, look, I, don't, I, I just don't need to hear about all that much conflict. But that tells us something there the degree to which it has accelerated that we can't even report on all of it. Wow. Maybe Jesus was right. He said, um, you're gonna hear of wars and rumors of wars. And what I don't like is, he says, but the end is still, you know, in the middle of those types of conflicts, you go, well, this has gotta be the ending. Jesus says, well, actually, no, it's not. Oh great you're telling me it's gonna get worse yeah it's going to get worse and we come to sign number three read it out loud there will be widespread famines and earthquakes there will be famines and earthquakes in various places all these are the beginning of birth pains oh great notice he said the beginning he didn't say the end he said this is the beginning of the birth pains you're like wow so what you're telling me is is this is an introduction to greater pain i'll wait for the amens to die down you see sometimes you read the bible and you go yeah i wish you wouldn't have promised that god i mean i would like for you to say this might be the possibility of birth pains but you can pray it away it doesn't even say this is subject to prayer God's not even asking my input. This is going to happen. So I had to, I had to make a decision based on the time of the message allotted to me, okay, whether I was going to cover the famines and the earthquakes. So I just did the earthquake segment, okay, because there's a lot of research that you, get the, you just get the outcome. So what is, what is the earthquake status? So we can't go back 1,000 uh, years because there was no way to record worldwide uh, earthquakes a thousand years ago so is there a trend is there an uptick from our ability what we know and if you go to the USGS which is geological if it's from the government you can trust it <laughs> as everybody who works for the government here laughs or <laughs> right, anyway so here's what here's what happened in the year 2000 worldwide now, earthquakes, go, they get measured by one to 1.9, two to 2.9, so I'm leaving off the bottom half, okay? I'm going to the stuff that makes like, significant impact, like things get damaged, people get injured, people die. Okay, And that starts around the five, okay? That's when it starts like, hey, this is serious, okay? So from five to 5.9, there were 1,344 earthquakes worldwide. There, from 6 to 6.9, there was 146. From 7 to 7.9, there were 14. And that's where now we got some serious damage. And then, of course, 8 to 8.9, there was one, which is just catastrophic. So let's fast forward 21 years. What do we find? We find that in the 5.5.9, there was 2,047, almost 1, or what I'm sorry, almost 700 more earthquakes in that category. From 6 to 6.9, 140, so minus 6. But notice the catastrophic ones. Not only those earthquakes that precede the big ones are increasing, we start to see this. From 7 to 7.9, there were 16. And then the 8 to 8.9, these are catastrophic ones, triple. Wow. Jesus said, you're going to see this now i know that there are globalists and there are climatists who starts you know they want to get into global warming and all this and i'm not like hey i'm staying out of that weeds today all right i'm out tapping out you can do your thing what you want to talk about whether it's you know man-made or not but i can tell you this man has no control over that you can talk all you want about whatever but earthquakes cannot be pointed as being an issue that man can Cause, nor can man control it. And we find that this planet, in earthquake context, is is undergoing something. Jesus said, you're going to see it. Number four, sign number four, read it out loud. There will be widespread persecution of followers of Christ. Then you will be handed over to, per, to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. I just want to read that and go, I rebuke that, because I don't want it. I don't like it. I don't want to see that. Not just in my own life and in my own context, I've been to many closed countries in my lifetime. And I know people who have. I met people who had been stabbed, shot, incarcerated. And I know with events that are unfolding today, I know where they are at, that they are at risk again. So for some people, it's an article that they read, but I can tell you the names of people. I know where they met, I know what they went through. I know the possibility of what they may go through. I don't like that. But Jesus said, this is what's gonna be happening. And so here's a couple things. Christianity, according to the Cato Institute, is now the most persecuted religion in the world. From 2000 to 2010 was a bloodbath on Christianity. More Christians died from 2000 to 2010 than any other persecution time in history. And after 2010s, it's begun to go down, and it's not near as bad, but it is still happening. But we still now read that we're still the most, pop, or the most persecuted faith in the world. And then you read this. One in eight Christians now, worldwide, live in a country where they face persecution. And that's according to Forbes. Forbes. You see we read us we heard a story this morning about the uh, Asia Pacific ministry. We can't tell you a lot of stuff about them. It was kind of hard like what can we leave in? What can we leave out? What do we what can we say? What cannot we say? Because they operate in so many closed countries. And so the only photos that you saw are the ones they have on their website. But their idea is to go behind closed countries and teach the pastors and teach people how to use the social media in the context where they are to get the gospel out. Because the political... Uh, The political powers of some of those nations, many of them have not quite figured out how to stop that yet. And so they're pumping and pushing the gospel out. And this is having tremendous effects because you read in the nation of Iran about some of these protests. Many of them are the young people. And because those are young people who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they're saying, we don't want to be ruled by Islam anymore. We're not Islamic. We're Christians. But they're paying a price. Christians in North Korea, yeah, there's Christians in North Korea. How they're getting the gospel, who knows? But we have word that now there is a move of God in North Korea. There are many people in China accepting Jesus. There are many kind, listen to this, some of our missionaries have stated this now, it's now fact, it's been documented. There are many people right now In the Islamic world, more Muslims are coming to Jesus today than ever before. That's happening by thousands by the day. What's happening is this. Missionaries are going into communities to share the gospel. And everybody says, we were expecting you. The whole neighborhood, the whole village says we had a dream. Jesus showed up and told us about who he was and said somebody would be coming to tell us about who he is. We've been waiting on you. Now, I got to say, if you're an evangelical Christian who doesn't believe in the miraculous, I don't know what you do with that. Well, are 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 you saying they're having dreams and visions? Yeah. Well, don't they know that God doesn't do the miraculous anymore? What are they putting in their coffee? I love it when God says, well, that's your verdict of my activity. Let me show you my activity. So, yeah, the the, the persecution is getting worse, but the receptivity of the gospel is getting better. Why? Because it's showing people the hopelessness that there is in putting your hope in government, in political figures, in military might, they can't do for you what you need done in your own personal life, amen? Number five, read this out loud. There will be widespread desertions from Christianity. It says that the, see, I don't like that. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. Does everybody see that? The increase in wickedness. The love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So here's what's happening in America. 15 million Americans have left Christianity in the past 10 years. That's according to American belief study. And I just say that, that to me is why it's so incredible what's happening here at the bridge. Because where others are seeing an exodus, we're seeing entry, we're seeing people connect to Jesus. That's what makes this so phenomenal because I think everybody in this room probably has a friend or a relative in some other community or some region of the nation and you know that maybe their church is struggling and things that are happening and they're and they're concerned and 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 i know in our own district here the assemblies of god we this this area we cover maryland uh virginia and washington dc right now we have 20 churches that are open that do not have a pastor they don't even have a resume not only are people exiting the church We can't get people to step up to be leaders in a church. And now we have churches who have gone months and months and months without even a pastor. I don't like that. But here's the thing I want you to point out. It says, because of the increase in wickedness, there are a couple things. Sometimes I hesitate to tell these stories, but I told it in the first, so now I'm obligated to tell you. I'm on the hook. See, this is a product of our society going cold. Okay. Some of the things that some of the things that happen in society are more re- revelatory than other things. So, just uh, just uh, uh, back in, in January, they finally passed a law in Congress at the federal level that said if a if there is an abortion but the child survives, the medical team is now obligated to provide life saving care to that child now first of all i'm not for abortion okay but they're saying but for some reason that child survived an abortion and came out and the child is now living and breathing the medical profession is now responsible to provide life-saving care to that child over 200 congressmen and women voted against that it only passed by 10 votes Now, listen to this. I don't care where you stand on the issue, but just listen to me. They were saying medical people, medical professionals, are to stand in the room while a child fights for its life, and they are to stand there and watch it die. They voted for that. It doesn't get any colder. Especially since you want somebody else to do the dirty work. You're just going to cast the vote and stand back and let somebody else go through the trauma of letting that unfold in front of them. Thank God it didn't. Thank God the bill passed, but only by 10? That's a symptom of how cold society has gone. And then just this past week, they pass the parents' bills of right, which is real simple. Basically, as parents, you're supposed to know what your kid's being taught in school. Now, I just call that parenting 101, right? I'm the parent. I have a right to know what you're teaching my child, okay? Over 200 congressmen and women voted against that. They don't think parents have a right to know what their child is being taught. It's state protected. It doesn't get any colder than that. Now, let me say here at the bridge, we are very glad to provide you with a textbook of what we (laughs) teach your child. We're glad we understand that some of what we teach is not always receptive and we're glad to have that conversation and we're glad to help you understand why we take the approach but the curriculum and the textbook that we use here is not a secret in fact we would really encourage you as a parent to read it along with your child (laughs) and if I could I would give you homework assignments so that you came on Sunday more prepared for what I'm about to speak, but I know where the lines are. (laughs) Homework is for the kids, not the parents. (laughs) But I'm just, it's just, those are two recent events in the last three months. If you don't think the coldness of culture is affecting people, wow. Yeah, as a pastor, My flags go up because I know that those kinds of things are not the end all. That's a momentum that you do not want to continue because you don't want to know where those momentums will take you. All right, last point, maybe. (laughs) Sign number six, read it out loud. There will be widespread preaching of the gospel to all nations. In spite of all this bad stuff, it's going to make that stuff is going to make people hungry for the gospel and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come the key word here is nations i need to point this out comes from the greek word ethnos it can be translated not just as a nation but it can refer to by the way that's where we get our English word ethnicity right okay so it can mean tribe it can mean people group so it has a much broader sense because why because sometimes you have people who are an ethnic group but they're not a nation and let's use the example of the Jewish people okay They ceased to be a nation, but they still were an ethnos. They were Jewish people. They were at an identity. They maintained that identity for almost 2,000 years, and then they were birthed as a nation back in 1949. So you can see why the phrase needs to be utilized, because you have ethnicities that are a nation and then aren't a nation but they maintain their status as an ethnic group and then maybe some way they're able to go back to being a nation a status and so it's important to use this word so that it covers everybody and according to the Joshua project again reputable organization they identify that there are about 17,400 people groups out there and currently, right now, there are 7,400 unreached people groups. So yeah, we've covered 10,000. 10,000, they have a word for Jesus in their language, in their culture. If you, it, but get this, 7,400 groups of people. They have an identity. They have a language. If you said Jesus, they wouldn't say who is that. They would say what because they don't know it's a who. Now this is not a fundraiser this morning, right? Okay, hear me. Now you know why we do missions. We are the haves who need to get it to the have-nots. It's our obligation, it's our responsibility. If we can't personally go ourselves, then we should help people who are willing to go. That's part of the kingdom, that's what we do. We're, we're not listen. We have to have a global mindset that what we do is a part of we are part of a bigger picture. You've heard me say it. The bridge is not the only church in the kingdom of God. And then we're go- and because of that, then we're going to act that way. We're going to help other contexts. We're going to do what we can within our within within reason. Okay. Yes, our first calling is to take care of our Jerusalem here. Yes. But that doesn't get us off the hook from going to Samaria. I was expecting a better amen. The gospel will be preached. I don't know when Jesus is coming. Can I tell you, do you know Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming? It says he's waiting on the Father to tell him. So anybody that says they think they know when Jesus is coming, I'm going, man, you are so full of yourself and you are off Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming. Are you telling me the father skipped his own son and talked to you? Are you kidding me? Wow. Don't we have a positive image of ourselves? I don't know when Jesus is coming, and I'm not interested in trying to do the clock. But I'll tell you this. Scriptures we read this morning, Jesus said those 2,000, did you realize in 2030, 2031, what we read this morning will be 2,000 years old? And it's happening, just as he said. And I will wrap it up with this. If he can look 2,000 years into the future and see that this would be happening, he can see into your life and say, if you will accept me as your Lord and Savior, I can see what will happen in your life. You can't see it, but I can. But it all begins today with you trusting him. He sees your life. He sees what you're capable of he sees what can happen he knows the change that is possible he knows the transformation is available to you yeah there might be some hard times there might be some work that you have to put into it all right that doesn't give you off the hook from doing the work but jesus says you put in the work i'll help you i'll come alongside you and i'll change you and everybody said amen Come on, let's stand to our feet as we wrap up the service today. Can we just lift our hands and praise Him for being a God who's got our future? Man, if He knew this 2,000 years ago, what does He know about our today and our tomorrows? Come on, man, let's give Him praise right now.